I'd like to welcome you to the uh, the first 11s of this week, our Monday 11s, where we have Mark Neeson, who's here today to talk to us about how we can make our words count. As writers, many of us are gifted gatherers. We're prone to hyperbole, extended metaphor, stretched description, elongated landscape, multiple synonyms, multiple scenarios, multiple points of view, exaggerations, redundancies, time shift, overstatement, dense description, consuming biography, illuminating explanation, unnecessary pandering. (laughs) We are collectors of observations, histories, opinions, examples, patterns, paradigms, peculiarities, points, problems, processes, passions, (laughs) principles, pronouncements, perplexities, personalities, progressions, plots. You get the point. (laughs) We preach and we ponder, we instruct and we dictate, we illustrate, we portray, we opine, and then we pine. Oh, do we pine. We wax considerably more often than we wane, and we are excellent in almost every circumstance at going on and on and on. And this can be a good thing, especially in the initial and exciting stages of generating new material. But how do we then distance ourselves from this mess and seize upon the most salient points, explosive sentences, and muscular descriptions? Today, Mark Neeson is here to guide us through the editing, revising process and remind us of the importance of cutting to the quick. Mark Neeson's background includes such extraordinary experiences as filmmaking, children's theater, construction, and the circus. He has an MFA from the Iowa Writers Workshop, is on the faculty of Chatham College and The Loft, and is currently finishing his novel entitled The Myth of the Return. So please welcome Mark Neeson. Thank you, Carol. That was incredible. Opine and pine. Wax and wane. She said it all. I don't say anything else. That's gorgeous. Just gorgeous. I I hope, I don't know if some of you are are just arriving here. Um, Carol's a treasure to have around here. It's amazing. All right. Um, I do want to uh, thank you all for coming out this morning. Um, I recognize that this is a week you've carved out of your lives, and um, for a lot of you it might be time for writing as well, so it means a lot to me that you've come out here this morning and and given an hour of very precious time. Um, I also want to, I guess, thank this uh, program. I came here myself as a student like you about 15 years ago. Uh, They didn't have 11s then, but I would have been sitting in the same chair as you are. And so there's a a great deal of, um, I don't know if indebtedness is the word, but but I feel a great sense of community uh, in this place, as I hope you'll start to find very quickly if if you aren't people that keep coming back anyway. It's uh, amazing to have a group like this. I'm also kind of glad that, that they ended up scheduling me in here on a Monday uh, at the beginning of your week. 
very quickly you're going to be sort of um, in your classes getting into a lot of technical things about craft, about tools, about point of view and prosody and all these things. And um, I'd like to work on something a lot more fundamental this morning. I sort of um, I depart from the from the standpoint that the the, the creative part and the and the editing part, as uh, Carol mentioned, are, are really quite natural within us. Um, these aren't things that are so mysterious. Um, so what I'd like to actually start with is something real simple today, and I'm going to actually get you working, just in case you came out here and thought you'd only hear someone talking to you. We're going to do some uh, exercise as well. And what I'd like to start with is uh, a form of a, um, a free write. Uh, is that a, a, a term that's not familiar to anyone here? Everybody knows what a free write is? No, okay, great. It's sort of like what it sounds it, it is. The first time I've heard it, I ever heard it uh, spoken about with that name was from uh, Natalie Goldberg. But it's, it's basically what it sounds like. You have to write freely. You can't sort of stop yourself from writing. And so I'll set up a little situation that, that allows a trigger to start, for you to start something. Uh, and what I'd like to use is actually uh, something oral, music. And what I'll do is I'll play a piece of music, and maybe I'll ask you all to close your eyes initially so you could focus on your listening. And then whatever the first image or word or idea, whatever comes to your mind, then you open your eyes and you start writing on the page. And, and once you start writing, you can't stop, no matter what pops in your mind. You're just following your, your thoughts, or more importantly, following your pen. Um, even if it's nonsense, even if, you know, it's suddenly remember your checkbook or your the flowers you forgot to water before leaving or whatever, even if nothing comes into your mind, you say, nothing, nothing, nothing. I can't think of something to say. I can't think of something to say. Eventually you will. Unfortunately, our brains don't stop even when we sleep. Um, so are we on the same page about, about how, how we'll begin? Okay. It does pay to open your eyes. Um, <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, you know, um, and also, uh, again, remember, you're not waiting for a trigger for me. You're not waiting for me to say, okay, go. It's sort of, I'll just, you listen to the music and it's self-starting for you whenever that first word or concept comes, comes to you. Is that good? All right. Eyes closed. No cheating. And I won't let it run for more than two, three minutes, just to give you a sense of how long it's going to go. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
pen moving. find a place to break off. Can we just talk for a moment about what that, I don't know, felt like for just as a process to do? Some of you that do free riding or haven't done free riding? I notice anything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Great. Anybody else? I'm sorry? No. Anyone else? This was the first time I had a story start coming to Oh, yeah, a story. Great. I'll play another one. Okay. Yeah. You were flopping all around with different memories? Good. Good. Yeah. And it probably brought you to a specific space. All right. Sure. piece of music as well. If you're wondering who that is, it's an a Armenian um, musician named uh, Jivan Gasparian. I'll write his name up on the board later so you can know how to spell it. Um, that comes from a recording called Moonshines at Night. He's playing a duduk, which is sort of like a, a, a wooden oboe. He's a real master at it. Um, so what we did was we, we allowed ourselves a, a place where we could, it sounds like a lot of people were free associating. Uh, did you notice anything also physically? Did anybody's, I mean, did you, your wrist start to hurt or your forearm start to hurt riding for three minutes? A couple of you? The rest of you are really exercised people in here. <laughs> yeah. Riding is a physical act, right? It made me want to ride. Good. Good. I mean, we all want to ride. We're in this room, right? The issue isn't like whether we want to write. The issue is how do we get to a place where we stop stopping ourselves from writing, right? Or, or allow that or invite that space to come forward. Good. Any other thoughts? I mean, this thing about it being physical, please. Oh, I was just going to say, in those two or three minutes or however long that was, I felt like I wrote on this paper like, that the whole thing was Yeah. 
Well, all that stuff's going on in your head underneath your, your, your checkbooks and things like that. That stuff's going on all the time. But the idea of something being that it's a physical act, right? And part of what I think free writing, it doesn't work for everybody, and there are different versions of free writing. I know they talk about clustering where you, you, know, you put one word in the middle and then you go out from it. I know a number of books are talking about that. There are various ways to do free associative access. Um, but what it allows you to do, at least in free writing, I think, because you are moving with your hand, it, it sort of collapses that distance between the end of your finger and the, whatever's going on up here. But it also puts you more in your body, I think. All of you got to be in a place that was present. Actually, you disappeared. You weren't in this room anymore, but you were very present. Right? You were operating within the moment on the page. All right. Shall we do another? All right. Shake out those off. Okay. Uh, and I noticed some of you were waiting for a prompt for me. Remember, you're not. When you're self-prompting when you begin. Okay? Sorry, Mark. I sat there for the three minutes waiting for you to tell us to start to run. I'm like, you know, in Egypt. That's all right. I mean, even if that, that was the case, you can return there. You know? You know where it is. All right? All right. Are we ready? Eyes closed.
say, though I don't want to, find a place to stop. Uh, write little notes in the margins, if you like. Uh, it is true. Once you go to a, a space like that, you can you can return to it at will. There's a certain uh, fear. I know I've felt it in, in the past. I don't anymore. About, oh, my God, I'll, I'll lose that thought. I, I can't get to it again. I, I, that phrase, you know. It's all there. It's all there. Um, comments? Anything different first time out? Hmm. I've never had that kind of physical inspiration to write something. So I wrote about fear. Great. This one is really interesting. But this one is like if somebody was like, I don't know, like caressing my skin. I've never had this kind of inspiration for my physical feelings. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's maybe another byproduct of uh, free writing. Because the more you get physically into the act, the closer you're going to get to where your emotions reside, right? That's I don't know where they are. They're these intangible things, but they're 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 somehow within us. And and again, the more you get present or in your body, the closer the closer to tapping those. Yeah. And clearly, I've I've also selected very very evocative, very have a really specific color. Some of these pieces that that comes from a composer named Arvo Pert. Um, a piece called Spiegel im Spiegel. I think it means the mirror in the mirror. Any German folk out here? German major? Yeah, okay, the mirror in the mirror. All right, again, I'll write, I'll write their names up there so you know. I'm just making an audio record of it so all our audio listeners will know where to find this work. Um, yeah? The first time I things I'd been thinking about until I got here. And then the second time I was able to actually listen to the music and <laughs> write about something else mm-hmm. besides my life. Okay, good. It was interesting that maybe you're not going to hit it the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a while to get to that alpha or whatever they call it state, doesn't it? Uh, these are, I mean, I, I listen, to, I, I use these as tools sometimes for generating new things, sometimes just for having it in the background while I'm, I'm working. Um, I have to watch that, though, because then your writing can take on the tone of what you're, you're writing to. And sometimes you can use that to your advantage. It's like, okay, I've got to write this scene that involves you know, a sense of betrayal. How can I find a piece of music that might help inform that mood for me? I'm trying to get into that atmosphere somehow. Uh, but I, you know, I use them just like you know, every 40 minutes I have to stand up at least and stretch my back and go turn the tape over. Um, but there's ways in which you can use free writing as a part of your ongoing process if you're finding some of this is kicking in and you can use any kind of trigger. I used to have a meet, a meet with a group when I lived in town here, a, a group every Saturday we'd meet and we'd do these free writing things and someone was responsible to bring in the trigger and you know they'd bring a, a book you know so they'd crack a, a book of phot- photographs open or where they would just say the word harbor and you know and that was it go and so uh, finding ways to give yourself access to these things could be really useful. And, you know, even if it's not... I came to a point where I I built myself up to doing 15-minute free rides. My forearm would... Rod Laver, I look like. And I stopped even reading them. You know, it was just a a morning aerobic for me. 
to get my mind flowing with, with energy before uh, with words before I started doing the other thing I did. But of course, you're you know you're going to stumble on things in them also that are just you know something an answer to what you've been working on or a strange juxtaposition of words. Sometimes you know sometimes it's nonsense coming out. It's just spatterings of words. You know, kind of. Um, but utilize something like that. It might, you have to test it and see whether it works for you. Some people it doesn't work for at all, depending upon temperament and, and their process. Alan, do you have a question? No, I was just going to comment. Uh, I, got to, I got into a place or into a character, so the second piece was just another angle in place for the same character. So to finish this, I need three more pieces of music. <laughs> okay. How about, did you continue with your story or you go somewhere else? No, I, I didn't. I, I wrote about here in Iowa, thunderstorms and fireflies, because they don't have that in California. Great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where you're going, but, but you're going there. I mean, that's the key. The key is that you're going, right? Okay. Can we do uh, one more? All right. This one won't be music. This one I'll do a little differently. Um, you can set all your pens down. You don't have to write anything yet. You just get to close your eyes again. You know, initially, they had these 11s at noon. They called them noonses. <laughs> but when, once I started doing these things with closing eyes, they realized people started to fall asleep, so they moved them up to 11s. I take full credit for that. And full... Um, some people hate that they're at 11, too. Anyway, eyes closed. No cheating. All right, what I'd like you to do now is to put a picture of a, a face in your mind, some face from out of your past or present. Could be a person, could be a painting you saw once. Whatever face comes to mind. Just spend some time looking at it, almost as if you're sitting across the table from it. Take note of its shape. Its silhouette, how it stands out. Notice the color of the hair. The relative thickness of that hair. Even the spot where the hair meets the skin. See how it gives shape to the face. Notice those shapes. The cheekbone. The chin. Curve of the ear. 
a little space below the lips and above them. Pitch of the nose. Texture of skin. Notice that beneath the skin there are bones giving that face shape. And finally, look at the eyes. Their color and shape. Their gaze. The eyes looking back at you. And then when you're ready, take a step back from that face, and then another, watching it get smaller and smaller, until it almost can fit in the palm of your hand, your pocket. And you can even say goodbye to the face. Only you can visit again whenever you like. Now you'll come back to this room with its faces and slowly open your eyes. And now you may begin writing. Just follow your pen. We're not necessarily going to share these aloud. Don't think too much. Let your pen do the thinking.
keep going for another half minute. find a place to break off. Okay. All right. So what we've just done are create three little waxes, right? We did the waxing that Carl was talking about. Right. Now what I'd like you to do is um, pick one of those three. Whichever one you're more instinctually drawn to. That should take a minute, a second. Everybody got one? All right, now go back and, and you can reread that group of words you wrote. And what I want you to do is, is as you're rereading it, go back and I want you to pick your five favorite I don't know if you wrote in sentences or phrases or whatever, but pick your five favorite out and underline them. Everybody there? 15 seconds. Make decisions. Deadlines. Okay? Now look at those five, we'll call them phrases, and um, now you can only have four. So jettison one of them. You good? Okay. Now count the number of words you have left in those phrases and write that number down on your page. Just the four that are remaining. All four total. Let's hear some numbers. 13. 13? 
24. Right. And you're all looking around going, what's the right answer? I mean, it's like, there's no right answer. Right? Okay. If you had more than 20 words, you have to now eliminate three words. If you had less than 20, you can eliminate two. If you had less than 10, you can eliminate one. All right? See what word you can get rid of there you don't need. By the way, hyphenated words count as one. Now I want you to rewrite those words. Now you can change the order of them, the phrases, however you like. But you have to put them down in a different form on the page, just almost like a grocery list, one line on top of the other. Seven lines minimum, five words maximum per line. Sounds like for a lot of you that's a lot of space, right? Okay, now you get to rewrite what you have left. You've got your four sentences minus your number of words. Now you get to rewrite those in a different way. You can Maybe now they relate to each other different. You can change the order of them. And just put them down the page, sort of like a, gro- I don't know how it's called, like a grocery list. Five words per line. And now you, I'll give you that. If you want to add a word or two, sure. Does what a name? Is it two names or like? That would be two names. Take about another minute, maximum.
Are we there? No. This math stuff is just killing you, isn't it? All right. For those of you who feel you've finished for the moment, what'd you make? What's on the page? What's left? A poem? Oh, my God. I wrote a poem. I mean, I don't know if it's a good poem or or not necessarily. Uh, That's actually not even that important at this juncture to me, or or it shouldn't necessarily be important to you at this moment. All I've done here was create a a situation the same way I created an earlier one where you could only have the the waxing going on. Now I've kicked in the waning, if you will, right? There are two parts of you as a writer that you need. One's the creator and one's the editor, right? And they're both really important but they don't always play well together, right? So finding modes to separate the two can be really useful. Right? I mean, yeah, counting words, right? How ridiculous, right? I mean, that's why I was like, what, what the hell is he doing with it? Seven, <laughs> like six, five, 11, right? It sounds ridiculous, but that's more or less the, the mindset that you go in when you start to revise or you start to edit. It's a different mindset from the creator who gets into this free associative drunk mass of brilliance. Right? And then, of course, the next morning you wake up sober and you have to do something. You have to shape it. You need your editor. Right? But they're both really important. And I actually have come along in my process over the years. I've come to see them as two separate people. And I literally lock my editor up in a closet. It was a master lock. It's like a game I play with myself, but it helps. it helps me. It's time for the creator to play. The, the, the editor can't play now. I got the master lock, 28, 10 zeros. Don't, don't tell him the combination, but he's in there. Right? And then the creator gets to play. Because right? the editor oftentimes you know, is very distracting. Right? It stops you from at least getting that stuff out to start with, Right? that I don't even know whether it's good or not, or, or who knows. But I, it has to come out and spill and on the page first. And by the same token, when it's time for my editor to kick in, then I lock up my creator. Because the creator can be just as distracting. Right? It'll hop up on the other shoulder and go, no, don't touch that, that's gold, no, no, no. Oh, I got an idea, I got an idea, I got an idea. Right? It's a, it's a whole different mindset. Right? So, so you... you you have to let them play at different times. Certainly initially. Over time, I think you, you'll start, they'll get a better relationship as siblings. And they'll learn how to play with one another. I tend to give my, my, my creator a little bit more leeway. Leave a little crack in the door of the closet. And so he can come out and play a little. Because while you're editing, you do get new ideas, I think. And you need to get new ideas. What I do is I just put a, a line down the page. And so whenever the idea is, I just keep the lines on the left side. And so, again, they feel like they're at least separated. Um, but this idea about weighing words or counting words, I mean, eventually the thing you're, you're, you're going to put out there to make public with other people, it needs to have had gone through both of those processes. And uh, hopefully what this exercise did today was to show you that, that these are natural processes, one of them, one might feel more natural to you than another, right? Some of you may have had trouble getting into the free write. 
which might mean that your editor is just a little stronger. So you have to give yourself more exercises to, to build up your, your, your creator. Some of you may have found yourself leaning more to the editor. No, to the, the creator side, right? You have more t- time figuring out the sevens and fives and things like that. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I need to... My, my creator is cool. I need to just give, give my editor some more time to work at time. So uh, it, I, I just share that because it's been something useful for me over time to, to play with. Now, the next part of this counting, you know, making words count, uh, I, I think probably this um, talk came out of a journal I helped found a number of years ago with uh, the International Writing Program. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that program here, but it's an amazing program at the University of Iowa, unique in the world, as far as I know. I mean, you've got every podunk school has a creative writing program, but there's only one international writing program. What that is is they bring in about, depending on funding, 25 to 35 writers from all corners of the world for about three months to stay in Iowa in the fall, every fall. It's I mean, we're talking Estonia, Fiji, Senegal, all over. Some, some of these countries, major writers, and we just don't know about them, who they are. But they all come here and they get to stay for three months, and they can hole up in a room if they want. But most usually they get involved with different panels and discussions and talks about translation and issues of those nature. And it's, it's amazing. And I, and I got a chance to work with that program for a few years. And in the process, we started a journal. It was, um, I can't remember the exact year. I think it was 91 maybe or 92. Uh, and it came out of one of the, the visitors that was here. He was a, a Welshman. Um, he was talking among his friend, friends and he was saying, well, there's this extra... They, I guess they concluded we should write something. We're all writers. Why don't we write something about being here, you know, in, in Iowa? And so this Welshman, Rolf was his name, he brought up this uh, exercise he did. He taught in the prisons uh, in Wales. And, and he said, well, I used to give this exercise. It was called, you know, you'd, you'd give them a, a trigger word or something like harbor or mother or whatever. And then they got, you know, he let his students write on that and just free associate off of it and see what comes out of it. And so all that writers go, oh, that's a great idea. That's a good, cool idea. But, you know, we'll go on forever. We might as well stick a, a limit on it. And so arbitrarily they said 100 words. And so out of that became this journal that had, each one had a trigger word or a theme, you could call it, I guess. Um, and then you were invited to write, you know, whatever form you liked. Just the only limitation was you only had 100 words to say what you wanted to say. And it was this amazing exercise. I remember the first one was called space, because I think they're all thinking about, you know, they're here in Iowa, and suddenly there's this space. And I think that probably triggered it. And and so I wrote something. I said, oh, this is really short, you know. And then I looked at it, and I counted the words, and there were 150 words. And I thought there was, wow, 150, that goes fast. And I had to get rid of a third of it. And, you know, the first, actually the first 20 or 25 or so came off pretty easy. But then after that, it just it, you know, got harder and harder to, to, to shave them off. But every time I shaved it down, it got better. It got stronger. And I think it taught me for the first time, really, what the poetic impulse is, because I don't, I don't naturally have that. I'm more of a, a, a waxing prose writer, I think. But it, it, it taught me about the weight of words, right? the value of each word and how they can add up, if you will or subtract down, I don't know. Um, 
amazing. And what was even more amazing is I came here. This was like, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago almost this journal. 15 years ago this journal was out. And so I came to the program and I forgot to bring the ones that I had from home still, you know, as examples to show you. So I went around, I went around to the used bookstores and, I, and, and one haunted house, I don't know, if it's, it's in your packet of various places to visit this week. I go in there and I say, hey, you wouldn't happen to have any hundred words left. Because I used to give, you know, I used to go to all the bookstores in town and, and hand them out. And she goes, oh, yeah, there's a few on the shelf over here. I said, really? Great. So I go over and I look. I'm going, oh, yeah. And so I started to tell her I'm going to give this talk. I said, well, maybe can can I take these and, you know, I'll try and sell them for you. And she was, like, tickled. It's like not just the sale, but it's like she loved these things. And she said, you know, it will be just great to get them out in circulation again. And she says, "Uh, do you want my back stock? (laughs) <laughs> I went, really? And so she went downstairs and it was this old box and she kept them all this time. It was amazing. So I have some of them up here if you want to come and peruse after I'm, I'm finished here. Um, I'll read you just a couple of examples maybe. These, these came out of um, just to give you a sense of what you can do in, in with less is more. This comes from um, uh, Jibanananda Das from uh, Bangladesh. And it, what was also nice was, you know, we printed the Hindi. You know, we had foreign languages and translations going on. So it was really became this marvelous journal about, you know, building connections and bridges and what does any given word mean in any given language. And how can we talk to one another? It's, it's, a, it's a nice mission behind the journal. Anyway, this one's called Tangerine. After I leave my body behind, will I ever come back to this world? If I should ever return, let it be on some wintry evening as the tender flesh of a chilled tangerine by the bed of a dying friend. Right? Here's another one from uh, Ken McCullough, uh, a poet who used to live in this town. Uh, Now he's up in uh, Minnesota, Winona. This one's called uh, Pear Poem. Here are pears inside these rocks, pears inside these prayers, a trail of pear prints leading to a garden of cloud-shaped animals, pears with wings, security against the mirrored land, a carousel of pears, a hyphenated pear, a pear's ambrosial derriere. <laughs> Lovely, huh? This was the one that uh, I had in that issue. And I wasn't guaranteed to get my poems in there. You know, we were, this one I was happy it got in there. It's called Children of the Bow. From the months of June to August, my friends won't speak with me. My speech garbled, my cheeks rounded on the hard hearts of peaches or plums or cherries, sucking, searching, as if for something lost. Of course, the fruit itself is much overrated, mere flesh and sugar, easily bruised, consumed in minutes, rotting from the moment it breaks from bough. But the tree, the tree is ancient and wise. It was she, and not the snake, who tempted man. Within her flower the fruit, within the fruit the pit, and within the pit that which we discard, eternity. 
Um, so I'll be free to talk with you up front here. I'll put the names of the, the uh, musicians and the, the pieces on the, the board. Uh, I'd like to make you aware there's a couple of other journals I'm currently sort of uh, loosely affiliated with that are coming out of Pittsburgh. One is called The Fourth River. You'll forgive me, I have like one copy of this with me. Um, which has a sort of um, man and landscape bent to it. It comes out of a school, Chatham University, where uh, it's Rachel Carson's um, alma mater, so they have a certain environmental bent. But that doesn't mean that you have to write about flowers. You know, It's, it's whatever your landscape is and what's that, that um, interaction. Uh, I guess I could put a... You could Google Fourth River. Just Google Fourth River. Everybody can Google now, it seems. Um, and another journal coming out of uh, Pittsburgh is called Cake Train. One word, you can Google them also. Uh, really interesting journal. Um, great young energy behind that, that journal. And really kind of, it's got a really great edge to it and the kind of work that's in it. Uh, so consider those as places for you to send um, your little numbered. You can write those. There's no word count limited in those, I don't think. Well, maybe 7,000 words, something like that. Um, so if I had to sum up um, today's, I don't know, it's, it's, how do you make what's on the page, each word, weight-bearing, and then also sort of bear the weight of what, what you've come to say? Uh, and I'll close with a quote which seemed... Apropos, coming out of Annie Dillard's The Writing Life, uh, another good thing to do for your process is re- read books about that writers or musicians or artists have written about their processes. Uh, it's very useful. It makes you realize you, you know, there's nothing special about your dilemmas and challenges. We all go through it. It's part of the landscape. Uh, so learn how other people solve that those issues. Anyway, this... Um, Anyway, Annie Dillard suggests to write as if you were dying. At the same time, assume you write for an audience consisting solely of terminal patients. That is, after all, the case. (laughs) What would you begin writing if you knew you would die soon? What could you say to a dying person that would not enrage by its triviality. Words have amazing weight, and you have an amazing gift available to to share something. What do you want to say? Thank you. I'll stick around afterwards.